Thanks for listening to the Women Emerging podcast. Every week we put up a new episode with insights into leadership, practical leadership, seen through the eyes of women leaders of all ages and all sectors from right across the world. Our aim is for women to be able to say, if that's leadership, I'm in. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and join Women Emerging on our website, womenemerging.org. That's womenemerging.org for more fabulous free leadership content. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Julia Middleton here, Director of Women Emerging and your podcast host. This week is the fifth in the series of episodes all about essence. Essence, we thought, was right at the heart of ourselves. And it's what, in the context, obviously, of an expedition that's about to find the approach to leadership that works for women, essence is what we think we have right at the sort of middle of us, our essence, and how that then influences how we show up as leaders. So over the weeks, we've talked to Aparna, who's talked about the sacred, Katrina, who's talked about the body, Annalouche, who's talked about nature, and last week, Melissa, who spoke to us about motherness, all bits of our essence that we volunteer for you so that you can think about your own essence. Maybe one of those rings a bell and it's part of your essence and shows up in your leadership, or maybe not, and something else does. So we're simply offering them as examples of things that we found in our essence as we came to the end of the Women Emerging Expedition. This week is Hinamoa, who's going to talk about ancestors. It is a really, really interesting thought, and who better, to be honest, than Hinamoa to speak to us about it. Talking to a lot of the women towards the end of the week, one of the strongest messages I get back is the sense of the admiration of you in recognizing your ancestry and how much your ancestry defines your leadership. And, you know, I just put somebody on the train. Mm-hmm. And as she got on the train, she said, I'm going to find out more about my great grandmothers. And, you know, that is. A huge compliment, I think, in a moment. I think, mm. you know, you've had a very profound impact on a lot of people here saying that they want to unpick their ancestry, not to look at the past, but to look at the future. So talk to me about why ancestry, wherever you are in the world and whoever you are as a woman, why that is so important to recognize, celebrate, investigate, adapt, and take forward? Well, that's, you know, I'm I'm deeply honored by the responses I've had from people on the expedition, where they've shared that the way I've approached our meetings, which has been predicated on my, you know, my identity and my my genealogy, my whakapapa, you know, that's been really, 
wonderful, honouring experience. I suppose it's, it's so critical for me because without that, I don't exist. Mm. It's so fundamental to me. And I think one of the reasons that it's become so profound in my life is that my mother died a long time ago. And so I remember feeling and sensing so profoundly at that time that I had to move up into another generation. And I was pregnant with my son and it was all very intense. But it was also, I felt welcomed into that embrace of women in the past. One of the profound experiences I had when I was a medical student was I was asked, because I was one of the, I was the oldest woman in my cohort, and um, I was asked to do the karanga, which is the call when we were we went away on a on a field trip, if you will. And I remember vividly feeling my mother next to me when I was engaging in that cultural activity. So these things are ever present, and for me, it creates an authentic touchstone, source of resources, a wellspring, a, a puna uh, of female energy that I can draw on at any time. You know, and I loved, I loved bringing the story of our great-grandmother who'd passed away in the, in the COVID of 1919, in that, in that great flu. And as I said, you know, I, I grew up with her picture in the, in the home and I never thought about her death in the same way until COVID happened. And then for me, what happened was it was like she was reaching forward to share all the ramifications of that. And it, it really helped me so much with how to navigate the complexities of communicating with our people around all the impacts of COVID and the questions around vaccine and the questions around, you know, how are we going to work together, kind of regardless of what the government did, as communities to look after our people. So for me, these are profound legacies that I have been, that I have worked hard to, to discover and to research and also that have been gifted to me. You know, we're really, we're really, really lucky actually back home in Aotearoa that we have some amazing women leaders in our communities. And some of them are well known and some of them are not so far. But we, we do refer to them, I think, in a in a sense that there's a shared recognition around Māori women that we all have access to these stories no matter where we come from and that that is a source of healing and that that is a source of vision. And I, I really feel this connectivity across generations. So, you know, yes, I want to connect what I can bring forward for our young women and our girls. And at the same time, I don't want to leave our older women behind because a lot of our older women have actually come through different kinds of colonisation and they carry their own pain and their own joy. So I, I have a sense of, you know, this, this role of the baton, the cultural baton being carried forward and passed on that gives me energy you know we talked about lead yeah. leading as a source of energy and so that's that's how that strikes me and how that what comes up for me in my heart when I think about leading as an energy is this energy that comes from our female ancestors you know 
lots of people tease me, but my favourite interview question is always, tell me about one of your grandmothers. And usually an enormous smile comes across people's faces. They almost always say, which one? And the answer is, either one, your choice. And then they tell the most beautiful stories. But as they do, this look comes across their face when they realise they haven't thought about their grandmothers for a very long time. Mm. And certainly not in the context of how they are, how they lead, how it reveals their values, how it reveals whether they're going to be any good at this job that I'm interviewing for. But it is so important to understand your lineage, your ancestry as a woman, isn't Mm. it? And I think one of the things I often say is we are the living representation of those women alive right now. And so let's think about, you know, I talk to my mother all the time. I talk to my grandmother. I ask them, you know, what would would you do? And um, because I suppose my other reflection is that we are those ancestors of the future. So as I said, you know, one day my my descendants are going to look at my picture and they're going to see different things. At different times, they will draw on what they need from the picture that they may have in their home of me. So I, I, I do... I find that very reassuring. You know, we're all under a hell of a lot of pressure. The world is incredibly complex and and we're trying to find tools that help us to navigate that. So I think when we are reflecting on what, what might be at the core, the Māori is the Māori word for essence. What is in our Māori, this energy that everything has a Māori, that our our whakapapa, our genealogy, our ancestry is a core source of how we conceptualise that throughout the lifespan and beyond. And how we show up, how we show up as leaders. So, So give me some examples of how you lead when you know it's come from what you've learnt from your ancestors. Well, first of all, it's always come from my ancestors. Yeah. How I lead is I lead by doing the things that get me into a particular zone. So I always sing, as you've seen. Uh, That gets my wairua into a particular zone. I always do my pepeha, which is a a time-honoured tradition of how we introduce ourselves and how we respect those around us and how we locate ourselves in space and time. It's a, it's a, you know, an ancient technology, it's a time capsule. It means I can take the audience with me into different times and spaces. Uh, when, I, when I say those words of my mountain, my river, my ocean, I, I have been taught to use the power of the mind, Hiningaro, a female mm-hmm. goddess, of course, to stand in those places, to be in those places, to be... It's we we sensed you know future present past all occurring at the same time, and so when you say those words and you tell those stories, we are creating that confluence of all those aspects of time together. Why sing? Why is singing so important for leaders? I look. I think you know for us where I'm from in the far north, it's I think it releases a whole lot of different energies. I think it helps. Me, certainly, and my cousins who I've discussed it with, to hone in on or to connect with this experience that we call Wairua, which is essentially how we are connected to the whole universe. So it's it's bringing in 
and, and it's honoring a different experience of being a human being. It's simple, it's joyful, it's, it's an opportunity to express in a, in a very simple form the, the gamut of things about being a woman. How often do you learn a new song? Ooh, good question. Ah, uh, I haven't learned a new song for a while, but I know that I want to, and there are new songs and parts of songs that I become more confident with. And just to reinforce, I've, I've learned this, I've been taught this, this is not something this that is I grew up yeah. with. Okay. And so I'm, I'm similar to many, many other women of my age and stage, 57, where we've had to deliberately Stop seek this out. And now you deliberately seek it out. Yes, and yeah. I practice it and I keep it warm. And when you sing, do you, unless it's somebody like me who's no idea what you're singing, do you usually other people sing along with you? The power of singing together? That comes at a different point in the, in the structure of things. So sometimes they might join in, yes, especially if we're at home um, with my female relations, and, and sometimes not. Usually there are some other practices around when, when songs are used. Um, they're often used after people speak formally, usually men speak formally at the marae. And the song is a kinaki or is a, a tasty sauce, if you like, a way of expanding on what was said and finding a, a way to almost summarize that in music. And that's led by women. How else is your leadership influenced by your ancestry? Well, I lead from a place of highlighting and utilising our reo, meana tikanga. So I seek out experiences of using our language and the cultural practices, as I mm -hmm. just explained in one example. So I think, you know, when, when you've had to learn your own language that's very emotional. There's a lot of, we, we talk about language trauma and how it's very different from learning French or German or another language that is not part of your, for us, not part of necessarily our, our ultimate essence to use the, the concept that we're honing in on. So I, um, I try my best to walk the talk I think using our language and, you know, one of the things I found in the studies that I've done about traumatic brain injury is that it doesn't matter if you can't understand the words, you sense the vibration and the vibration is healing. So using our language is a transcendent yep. aspect and it does connect me back to our old people. So I'm using the language of our old people and I'm leading with that because that is the core part of the Maori. And what happens when you're leading in the context not of the Maori community but for example the context of being a medic in a hospital? I'm, I'm still leading from a perspective of being a Maori woman first and foremost mm. and so that's a lot of what I do at the hospital is to normalise ways of being Maori. As one of my mentors via Moi Milm said it's normal it's normal for Maori to do Maori things and this comes back to the, the outside of the other ring that we also experience is that we can go into a hospital environment or a clinic or some other kind of health service or education or youth justice and we, we, are, we are receiving messages covertly and overtly that, you know, 
You don't mm. belong. You don't belong. Leave your mouldy stuff at the door. Pick it up on the way out. You need to present yourself as some kind of neutral human. But of course, we know that that is that is that's both so, impossible and and idiotic. Yeah, and so disrespectful. Yeah, and inaccurate. Mm. And so, a lot of what I'm doing in the hospital or wherever else I am is is I suppose role modelling that we are Maori first. One of our one of our other great mentors, Professor Sir Mason Jury, I remember gave a talk at a conference many years ago and he said, look, you know, one of the decisions that you need to make is are you a Maori doctor or are you a doctor that happens to be Maori? And so for me, I'm very clear, I'm a Maori woman first. And I'm a doctor. And that's what your ancestors would expect you to say. And not saying that is not respecting them. Yes, I, I agree with that. And not respecting my descendants. You don't want to break the link. By standing in that space, by standing proudly, and, and, and at the same time with humility in that identity, I am respecting both my ancestors and my descendants to come. Quite a thought, those descendants who are to come, isn't it? Mm, mm. Crucial, crucial thought. And that's about linking our our guardianship role with the planet uh, you know we are the planet the planet is us and we want to make sure that our papatsuanuku the earth mother tangaroa henemwana all the all the aspects of the natural world are are cared for in a way that they are available to our to our descendants and of course that's a very tricky aspect to deliver upon what would you hope your descendants would say about you as a leader? Hmm. Well, I would hope that they speak in te reo about me. Mm-hmm. And they might say things like, he wahine marae, he wahine marae, um, ahine moa, that she was a woman who exemplified the monarchy that, that we receive when we go to the marae, that she created a, a warm, nurturing experience of being Māori, that she was really inclusive, that she recognised it's uh, it's it's a difficult arena to be in, being being part of the Māori community, and that I hope they can see that I have opened up some some opportunities to make it safe to be Māori. Thank you. Very welcome. Thank you very much. You're welcome, Ewa. You're welcome. Thank you so much, Hinamoa, for that, for looking back and also, of course, for looking forward, which is not something that we always think about when you use the word ancestors. It's made me think a lot. It made all of us think a lot. Just just having Hinamoa in the room and expressing herself in the way that she did and does on the expedition sort of brought the issue of ancestry ancestors into the room and into all of our lives. As I was talking to Hinamo, I kept on thinking about, I do, I do know quite a lot about my ancestors. On one side, I know a lot because they were more wealthy. And on another side, I can't actually go back very far because they were not at all wealthy and sort of almost not registered anywhere. But it's interesting, isn't it? I, what I can find out about my ancestors, I've definitely found out. 
I'm sure there's more. I kept on thinking when Henemo was talking is that I know quite a lot, but actually I don't really talk about it much. And I was trying to get my head around why. Maybe because they were most of them pretty ordinary people. In fact, all pretty ordinary people. Very few massive moments in their lives that have produced stories that have endured. And and I think, I, I don't know, maybe... I'm caught up in this sort of sense of, you know, talking about your ancestors sounds a bit pompous and sounds a bit self-centered. And I think I have to reframe that. I I also, listening to Hinamoa, kept on thinking about my two grandmothers that I have so firmly placed in my head, one of them unbelievably strong, incredibly powerful, you would have known when you were in the room with her, didn't have any opportunities in life to do anything with her very substantial brain. Chose a man that that followed her and adored her. Very, very substantial woman. You could feel her presence in the room. And, and now it's strange, you know, when I'm sitting on a chair, in a chair, and someone's boring me or irritating me or I've just about had enough of them, I begin to sort of tap my fingers, sort of play my fingers on the arm of the chair. And I have such a memory of her doing that, expressing her sort of um, impatience, really, as she tapped her fingers on her chair. And I've always thought of her as the, as the strong grandmother. And indeed, she was. She was very strong. And then I always thought of my weak grandmother, who was very, very fragile, very married men who, I suppose, at best ignored her and potentially bullied her. Pretty two men, one after the other, both never really cared for her. And she wasn't a strong character. But then again, when I look back at some moments in her life, she must have had some strength. But I saw a weak person a weak person who actually, towards the end of her life, actually tried to commit suicide. And I've always framed that as her weakness, and I wonder if it was. Anyhow, I I think my over-caricaturing, over-simplifying my two grandmothers, it needs a bit of investigation. I intend to do a little, prompted very much by Hinamoa and the sense that those two grandmothers probably affect me rather more than I think. But then also Hinamoa talked to us about the fact that we will be other people's ancestors, assuming that global warming doesn't do away with us all. And I, it, was a, it was a tough question, wasn't it, for me to ask her, what do you want your, your descendants to think about you as their ancestor? Her answers were good. I'm not sure that I know my answers to that. And I think... I think about my role with my grandchildren as sort of mainly helping my children cope with the stresses and strains of life of having their own children. I don't think I've ever thought of myself as their as their ancestor and thought through what I want to hand on. And I think that is a very interesting thought. But um before we close this episode, I just I found this small clip 
where Hinamoa explained the expression that she used and which all of us on the expedition, all 24 people on the expedition, we began to sort of use the expression quite a lot. When she first used it, which and the expression is being a good girl, a good girl, I think that all 24 of us who all have very different lives, very different parts of the world, having chosen very different paths, I think that the expression good girl made us all uniformly smile, uniformly come back to the expression good girl, uh, uniformly sort of, and sadly reflect on it, and, and perhaps uniformly, determinedly set ourselves targets to extricate ourselves from the hole that good girls seem to be in. Over to you, Hinema. And and I spoke about the idea of, you know, stop being a good girl. Because to me, that that sounds like a, a provocative statement. And what I'm really getting at there is that no matter what culture we're from, we do have a tendency to be acculturated as modest, polite, placatory, deferring to men in some in some situations putting our own needs at the at the end and and you know and that some of that is actually useful but if we only know how to do that yeah I think that's a problem thank you very much Hinema I leave full of thoughts next week is another piece of essence which is about trauma and how does trauma inherited or experienced impact our own leadership. Very much looking forward to doing that conversation with Aisha. And maybe, oh, well, I suppose by next week, we will have had Easter and I will have had a whole long Easter weekend with my grandchildren. So I will come back to you on my progress with my grandchildren, very much framed by Hinema. So till next week. And to the conversation with Aisha, sending you lots of love, Julia. To become part of our movement and share your thinking with us, subscribe to the podcast and join the Women Emerging group on our website at womenemerging.org. We love all of the messages you send us. Keep them coming.